Hi there, this is Velma Garns, also known as The Velminator, and you are listening to The Inspired Life with The Velminator. Hey there, today I'm going to be talking to Tony Buxaviles, and I have to tell you this man's pedigree because he's so amazingly knowledgeable. <laughs> I don't even know if that's the right way to describe him, but he's the most humble person that I know, even with all that he knows. And he's probably my go-to source for sanity and <laughs> education. And I've known him for quite some time. He's an amazing guy. So I'm going to run through what exactly his qualifications are. Even if you don't know what they mean, you'll be able to hear what they mean in my description of them. But I just want you to know how knowledgeable this guy is. He's a medical exercise specialist through the American Academy of Health, Fitness, and Rehab Professionals. He's a corrective exercise specialist through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. He's a personal trainer through the American College of Sports Medicine. He's a health coach through the American Council on Exercise. He's a nutrition specialist through American Academy of Sports Dietitians and Nutritionists. He's a golf conditioning specialist through the GMP Fitness, functional movement specialist through functional movement screen. (laughs) I'm just, I think that's incredibly impressive. And so when you hear how humble he is, that's even more impressive. So since 1994, Tony Books has been performing his unique version of training and motivation on Staten Island. Having trained over 24,000 sessions and thousands of clients, Tony brings an unparalleled level of knowledge, experience, and dedication to the service he provides. Whether you are looking for weight loss, fat loss, post-injury conditioning, or medical exercise, Tony, this dude is the guy for you. So I just wanted to make sure that you know, you knew all of that about him because he is amazing. Because once you hear him talk, you would never believe that. I mean, you would, but he's just an amazing person and he's very humble. So let's go ahead and start talking to Tony Buxaviles, one of my great friends, trusted colleague, and amazing person. Lots of questions that I want to ask you. And I was going to send you the questions, but I definitely wanted them to be spontaneous. Okay. But one of the first questions I wanted to ask you is, why did you become a personal trainer? And how long have you been a personal trainer? First of all, thank you for having me on your podcast, Velminator. I think it's awesome. I think you're awesome. I couldn't think of many more things that I could be doing than spending some time with you, even virtually. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, so I'm happy to be here. Um, I became a personal trainer because I had to. I, I really took an assessment at in some part of my life, and I, I, I deliberately made a decision asking myself the question, what is it that you, that you felt if you couldn't do it, you'd rather die? And it was a question that I heard the, the writer Toni Morrison ask herself, and she said, I need to write books and take care of my children. If I couldn't do that, then I'd rather not be here. So when I asked myself that question, I said I was working for a bank and I was doing okay. 
And I said, I had, I was already training people, believe it or not. I already had a couple people who said, okay, this is a really fit guy from the gym. Show me what you can do. And in my infinite wisdom, which probably covers the head of a pin at that point, (laughs) I said, sure. And what happened was I fell in love, not just with training, but with helping people change their lives and using them losing weight, getting in shape, and embracing their physicality as a means of uh, a means of accomplishing that. And so, you never remembered wanting to do anything else. Well, I I knew as a, as as a as a kid, I remember watching a, um, a speech by Martin Luther King, and then actually watching another presentation with Paul Winfield playing King in the in the uh, movie. And I remember him speaking and the response that people had by the way he was able to communicate and move people's emotions through not just his words, but his inflection, his volume, his his tone, his intonation. It was just, and I said to myself, man, I really want to do that. I really want people by experiencing my energy to really feel possibility and really feel that they can change because of the energy that uh, I share with them. And so when I went into training, it was really with a very, very, very strong sense of purpose because I had I had done my evaluation and I said, if I can create energy that changes the energy around me and then people gain benefit from it, I really, really want to do that. And because I love the gym environment so much and I loved helping people so much, it was a perfect combination for me. And so, so you were already an energy person before you even fell into, well, I'm saying falling into, it sounds like something you've always wanted to do. So you were always an energy person. You felt it back then because it ties into who you are so much more than what you were doing back then. Yeah, no doubt. I, I remember like the whole uh, Martin Luther King experience, like I said, and then I was given a a book by my friend's mother who lives down the street from me now, who I call mom. She was just over here yesterday and she was one of the neighborhood mothers. And I'd been through some real um, trauma at a young age. And she gave me this book by, by Zig Ziglar called See You at the Top. So I read that book at age 12. I think I just turned 12. And it's an amazing, amazing book. It was like 18 years later, I got a chance to sit down and, and have a conversation with Zig Ziglar and wow. that book was so tremendously transformational for me because it was basically a roadmap to understanding that where you want your life to be is a choice. And, you know, wanting to share that and, you know, being a younger person and, and having that, uh, when I say younger person, I'm talking about, I was, you know, involved with going to motivational presentations and seeing presentations. So all my favorite speakers, I had to go see them. Harvey McKay, I had to go meet him. Les Brown, I several old. times. Tony you Robbins. You wanted to do this stuff at 12 years old? What's that? You wanted to do this stuff at 12 years old? Yes. I got my first introduction to it. I was 12 years old. And so I I rode that wave, you know, through high school. And when I hit, you know, as an independent person, college, post-college, post-college, I was I was reading all this stuff every day and then going out to meet these people. And, you know, that kind of set the stage for me to decide, okay, I wanted I wanted to be a motivator, a motivational speaker. But then 
what happened was um, I was huge into fitness and I didn't realize that that could be the catalyst or the, or the medium to, from which to share that energy from. Did you try motivational speaking? Yes, I did. Did you try and do that? Oh, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, yes, I did. And, and that's how I was able to meet Les Brown and, and Zig Ziglar and Harvey McKay. And and the, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, some people whose books that you read, the guys who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. Because um, I used to- You go- have to talk about some of those encounters with those people. Because <laughs> those are such big names. It's almost, you can't like gloss over talk to Harvey McKay and, you know, Les Brown and Zig Ziglar. What were those conversations like? You know, it was so amazing because I remember the first, and I'm, I'm young at this time. I, when I went to my first, um, it was the National Speakers Association. They had the national convention. And I, I might have been 27 or 28. And I'm saying to myself, what the hell am I going to talk to people about at 27, 28? You don't have any kids. You're at the, you know, you're, you're at the, uh, the sunrise of your career. And, you know, like, you know, you're, 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 you're physically fit. But how hard is that at 28? I didn't have the experience, but I just had energy and desire. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. I recall going to the first one and, and I wasn't going to go, but my, my good friend Peggy and Echeverria said, you got to go because it was in Philadelphia. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to go. It, you know, it costs X amount of hundreds of dollars. I got to pay for the hotel. She goes and she grabbed me by my shoulders, looked at me in the eye and she said, it's never going to be any closer than it is right now. You have right. to go. Yeah. So I said, okay. And, and I, and I went, and I, there I am with Zig Ziglar. So I walk over to him to say hello. <laughs> Let's start with that. Yeah. So I walk over to Zig Ziglar and I say hello. And I got a picture with him somewhere. And Les Brown comes over while I'm talking to Zig Ziglar. That is amazing. And so Zig starts talking to Les. And Les says, excuse me, and they're friends already and they're, you know, associates. And so Zig is talking to him while he has his hands, his arm around me. and. <laughs> Zig Ziglar is like is rubbing my back because ah. he's kind of he's he's kind of just like, being Zig Ziglar. Yeah, well, well, but he's he's kind of sedating me because he's like, yeah, Les came over. I'm going to talk to Les, but I'm not ignoring you. So here he is rubbing my back, and I'm here standing between Zig and Les having a conversation with each other. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm like a like a sixth grade girl on the inside, like ah, that kind of you know, and um. What was interesting is that they were having a discussion about the challenges that they were having in their lives. <laughs> and because Les had just come back from his first cancer scare mm. and, um, or, his, uh, or his mother passed. It was one of those things like, you know, I think it was his mother passed. And, and Zig was like, man, I, I, I called you, but I didn't get through. And he goes, yeah, I got the call, but I knew I was going to see you here and blah, 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 blah. It was it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing because. It 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 kind of humanized them as well, you know what I mean. So, it um it 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 set the tone for that. And then I had to decide shortly after that. You have this energy, you have this you know this ability that you want to share. What's the best medium to share it? And so, I said, okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna become a trainer. I know a lot about exercise. Okay, you're yeah, right. Um, I thought I did. But once again, I had energy and intent. And so that became my medium. I'm going to just delve myself into doing this and I'm going to put, you know, two feet forward. And I don't. Because you feel like you can do both as a personal trainer, because my my thought would 
if you're having an encounter with those those kind of people, that's the highest of the high of motivational speaking. That's oh, yeah. the top. Oh yeah. I mean, what made you just turn around on your heel and be like, eh, I'll just be a personal trainer. And I'm not saying that's beneath being a motivational speaker, because I feel like as a personal trainer, we have to do both of those things. So what made you just decide that you weren't going to go down the motivational speaking pipe, but you were going to pursue personal trainer because you thought that would be your, your, your theme of motivation? I was so young at the time. And, and, you know, and I remember when, I saw Tony Robbins. I was fresh out of college, fresh out of college. And I went to a chiropractic convention. So it was at this big arena with all these chiropractors. And I think like me and my friend were like the only non-chiropractors <laughs> in the whole arena. <laughs> and um, I was, I might've been 21, 22. And I think Tony Robbins was 27, 28 or something like that. But he just had his shit together. You know what I mean? So he was really ready to to do that at that level. I just didn't have that level of expertise or success. Even though I had been reading the books and I could speak the language, I didn't have enough life experience. So I acquiesced. Or maybe that's just the way you felt, because I can't imagine someone who has been studying motivational speakers or speaking since the age of 12, or at least drawn into those books, to not really have much to say by the time you're 27, especially if that's something that you've been pursuing you know, throughout that entire time. Maybe it's that was just a part of your mindset at that time. You could very well be right. You could you could very well be right. Because I can imagine you as Tony Books of Elis, as I, as I know you, not, you know, commit to something and not have the outcome that you want. Well, here's a big part of it, too, was that when I went to National Speakers Association, they were like, okay, so what are you, what are you well, what are you going to be a speaker on? And I was like, motivation. They were like, okay, here's the whole thing. Young young, young guy. <laughs> young buck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to be a topic expert. That's what people are going to pay you for. You have to be a topic expert. You have to be speaking on something that's going to be tangible. And I was like, exercise. And they were like, okay, <laughs> you're, you're a young, fit guy. Hey. Okay. I realized I didn't, you know, but then I thought I knew a lot, like many, like I look at the young trainers now and I, and I laugh at them. Yes, I do laugh at them because they do believe that their level of fitness makes them an expert. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. But that's the problem with this field too. No, absolutely. And that, that's actually part of the reason why I started this whole podcast thing. Cause I just felt like, well, I, felt, I spent two years building the platform mm. And I just felt like I was drowning in a sea of voices. <laughs> and not everybody doesn't not, not know what they're doing. And I've heard other people who've been in this far longer than I have, mm-hmm. which less of a following than I do, mm-hmm. complain about the same thing. Like everybody can be an expert. And we all know if you're really going with your gut, you just know that that's not the truth. Right. So I just kind of felt like I was drowning out in a sea of everyone that was trying to do the same thing. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to stick with what I love to do, which is fitness. I can't imagine steering that far from it. Right. But I want to bring other people who I find motivating and who have been doing it for a while, or if they haven't, then they know what they're doing. And I want to bring those people into the ears of my listeners, because I think that that's important. Right. Uh, right. So that's what, that's how this whole thing got started for me. Well, you know, it only fortifies your position, too, because, you know, steel sharp, iron sharpens iron. And and I and I believe that 
when you're in a position when you're conferring with like minds that yes. you know you you raise you ra- you raise the tide and you know, they say high tide raises all boats and yeah. you know and i say to myself I, or water seeks its own levels another good yes one. yes exactly and i really believe that i only became a fitness expert maybe after the first 15 to 20 years I look <laughs> I feel the same way in, in, and I feel like there's always space to learn yeah, no no doubt and even then I question it because there's just so many things I need to learn and and I, I teach and certify new trainers and I, I see myself sometimes in those classes with people and I'm not trying to bring them up you know to where I am because I understand it takes a long time level of commitment and, and time. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's it's like the same questions that were being asked 20 years ago are still being asked now, except they have more uh, a more reinforcement because of YouTube and the internet. You know what I mean? All right. But I, I realize when they ask me questions and I and I ask questions back, how far along that I've come. Yeah. Because, you know, 20 years ago, for that, for me now, it's almost twenty five years. I was asking the same questions as they are, and I couldn't, you know, answer those questions. Now I didn't have the eye, I didn't have the experience. I mean, you know, I, I'm I've estimated that I've done, you know, something like thirty five thousand sessions. <laughs> you know, and that's a, if you're paying I'm afraid to even look because it's been thirty two years it, for me. Yeah, see, exactly. So if you're looking at like you know, how many sessions that you've done, if you've been paying attention at all, <laughs> and if you've been somewhat committed to growth, you, you, yeah. you, you know, Muhammad Ali said it best. He said, the person who looks at life the same way they did 20 years ago has wasted two decades. So hopefully, you know, you're, you've grown and you're beyond that. And so now you can like, you can look at some of the other stuff that's catching people's eye and you're, you're saying, okay, you don't have to be you know, pejorative towards it or critic critical towards it, but you know what it is. Yeah, I think when, especially in this in this field, we have there's so many people that are jumping into it because a lot of people will want to sit down and pick my brain, and I say that in air quotes because mm. I'm just like I don't. I mean, I want to know where your head's at first because I don't want to. I mean, people look at the level that I've made it to, which to me, I'm like, there's so much further for me to go and reach and expand and whatever. Um, and I, maybe they're meaning as far as respect because I've been doing it for so long. And I think that's where it comes from is the fact that I've been doing it for so long. Right. And that's not just put myself down in any way, shape or form. It's just like, I always feel like I want to know even more. And so unless you are like you're saying, unless you are thinking in those realms or in those terms, there's no way that you can get better. So if you're hard-headed and you think you know everything, there's not a lot of information that's going to like get in. There was a parable or something that was called, I don't know if it's a quote or a parable, but it was saying that, you know, unless you learn how to empty your cup of knowledge so that I can fill your cup with my knowledge, then you're never really going to learn. Because one can't really go on top of the other. And that's not to say that you have to forget everything that you have learned, but to be willing to sort of sit down and open your mind up and listen to what the other person has to say that does have so much experience, because that's how I learn. Like I've always looked to some other people who I knew knew more than I did so that I can continue to learn, but not everybody's in that same, you know, kind of mindset. Sure, exactly. 
I I, I want so to learn that's from everybody. Yeah, and I don't really feel I don't feel like I always know everything. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of us that keeps us in the longevity. And you know what's really complimentary, and I'll stop talking about myself here in a second, but you know, after class, because teaching classes is my jam. Like I love the energy, I love the people, especially my people. Like I love being in classes and I love teaching people. And you know, this girl came up to me afterwards because my classes, this class in particular was packed and I was like, oh, you know, and I'd enjoy that. But then at the same time, when it gets to be too many people, it makes me nervous. But she comes to me after class and she just was looking at me like, how do you keep your, how do you stay in this? Like, how do you not get burnt out? Mm. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I've never been burnt out. I just know how to take care of my own energy. Yeah. And I know how to give to people without taking away from myself. And I know when to step away from it. And I think those are the most key important things because you can get caught up in the energy of it. And that's going to bring us to my next subject that I want to talk about you with the Staten Island Slim Down. For sure, we have to let people know about that. But yeah, you have to be able to take care of that energy, take care of yourself and be able to give to people what they need at the same time. And I think that that's what that's about as far as you know energy exchange. I know we're both very much into energy. So I want to ask you about your Staten Island Slim Down. We need to talk about how this whole thing got started because I know it's really huge. Like you made it into this really huge deal now. So I want you to talk about the first idea of how that even got started and how often you do that. Well, the Staten Island Slim Down is a 10-week initiative during which we influence Staten Island residents to embrace healthy uh, lifestyle practices such as exercise and healthy nutrition. And we do that through weekly, what we call fitness surprises, where people show up for an exercise class and they don't know what it's going to be. So it could be Zumba, could be yoga, could be Pilates, could be boot camp, could be, could be dancing, could be anything. Um, and at the, we also have a contest for the most the the most inspirational transformation. Okay. This January is going to be our ninth year, our sorry ninth annual, the nine year, nine years in a row, and it basically started initially. Um, I was influenced by a couple of things. I was influenced by um, Bill Phillips' Body for Life contest. Some yeah, stuff. I remember that one. That's been a long time. Yeah, that was around. a long time ago. It was a long time ago, and then also um, the show, The Biggest Loser. Oh, yeah. okay. so what was interesting was I had I, I had thought about this thing for a while I and I purchased the uh, URL from GoDaddy and I just kind of s- had it sitting around. And then I was mm-hmm. listening to one of Phil's recordings and he said a recent marketing study has shown that people are attracted to the word slim, anything with slim in it. And, I, and it came from the recesses of my mind. Wow. Okay, wait. Let me just explain to my audience that Phil, the the Phil that he's referring to is Phil Kaplan, who is a mentor of both of ours, Tony and I. He's a mentor, and that's how I met Tony in a mastermind group called Be Better by Phil Kaplan. Okay, go ahead, Tony. So, you know, I was listening to all of Phil's recordings, and he basically, he mentioned that, and that idea came from the recesses of my mind. And I said, wow, you know what? I need to, I need to put this thing together. So 
thank goodness for Facebook. I reached out to, I started talking to people and um, my brother's in-laws had said, oh, really, you want to do this kind of program? He goes, you should reach out to Jimmy Otto. He's a local councilman. He's now the borough president of Staten Island. And I reached out to him on Facebook. He said, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. I want to do it. I want to be a part of it. So I got this uh, elected official support. And I'd already written a proposal because I know like when I was doing things and people were asking me to be a part of that stuff, I'd say, oh, put it in writing. And that was a great way to get people away. <laughs> because <laughs> you have a proposal? I have yeah. to use it. Yeah, I'll, I'll get, oh, oh, Velma, it works every time. Unless you're dealing with me and I have the proposal ready already. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm thinking. Like I'm going to start drawing up proposals, systematize everything. So, so when he said, "Oh, well, why don't you put it in writing and send it to me?" and I'm like, "Oh, here comes a blow off." So I said, "Okay, I'm going to email it to you right now, and I'll send it to you." And he's like, "You have it written down?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and I just said, "Okay, I want to have fitness programs at the local YMCA's, at the JCC, the College of Staten Island. We want to put a class on, and we want to do this, that, and the third. We're going to have a website where people can go and and get a program." It's going to be video. I'm just like whacking away at this thing. And then all of a sudden, it starts to come to fruition. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, holy crap. I got to really do this thing. So in the meantime, the the Biggest Losers 10th season was on. And there was a guy from Staten Island on the 10th season. He was doing really well. I realized that he was a friend of a friend. So I'm reaching out to him and encouraging him. And I say to him, like, you know, listen – you know, I'm doing this program. I'd like for, um, you know, for you to be a part of it. And he's responding to me. And he's just taking in all this encouragement. The guy lost 170 pounds or something like that on the show, whatever, what have you. So I finally get in touch with him. And he volunteers. He goes, yeah, I'll be, I'll be a part of it. And he's getting all this press. I was hoping to get 100 people to sign up for the program. And hopefully we're going to get classes. Like, you know, we get like maybe 20, 30 people per class. Well, we ended up getting like 1,500 people to sign up. And our first class was like 500 people. Oh, my gosh. So it was just, it, this thing ended up That's freaking so being monstrous. A lot riding from the backing of you know, the, the councilman and then um, Fredo Denton, who, who became a great friend of mine um, from the show. And um, we've... You know, had- so you could use that basically as your front man yeah. because people are recognize him from the show yes he was the ambassador so when he came on he he came in second place he came in second place and so everyone in the borough was was following this guy and you know and and newspapers were still the the norm so he was in the cover of the newspaper you know like almost almost every week you know leading up to the um or almost every day as a matter of fact leading up to the um the the event and i'm sure the entire borough was sitting around watching him so he was a local celebrity at the time and, yeah. Um, so he became the ambassador. So when we had this thing, people wanted to meet him. They wanted to meet him. So when we did our kickoff, we gave him the venue, like a big homecoming, because wow. the show ended in December, and we had our kickoff at the middle of January. So when our kickoff, we were hoping, oh, maybe we'll get fifty people to show up. We had like six hundred people there. What did you do when you're planning for 50 and you get 600? Like, what do you, did you, could you accommodate that? Was there the space? Like, did you freak out? Like, what was you going through your mind? Well, the tremendous thing that encouraged me was the fact that, you know, the Staten Island community really came out and the, the, the councilman put me, he really trusted me. He really trusted me. And he, and he put me out in front 
because he believed in the program. His father passed away from lifestyle complications, heart attack and uh, diabetes complications. And so when he heard this proposal, he had always been an advocate for it. But now he had someone who he believed was going to be able to put the program together to hopefully make sure that, you know, his constituents were not going to have um, suffer the same fate as his father. So it's something mm-hmm. he's, he was really passionate about. And so when he said, and he was the one who runs the Staten Island Health and Wellness Expo. So he goes, I'm going to put you on the dais. You're going to make the announcement at our kickoff. So I go from, you know, a trainer who's fairly popular, had a pretty good, you know, good, good career when working with people. Then I'm on the dais with the president of, of Staten Island University Hospital, the, um, the commissioner for health and wellness for the city of New York the president of the college of Staten Island and me. <laughs> yeah. That elevates you. Like what is the Tony uh, Bucks Avila's guy? Man? Exactly. And here's the thing though. I'm going to talk about how things work out. The four of us are at the dais and I'm by far the best speaker. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't, I don't doubt it. I have one but, moment. You know what I'm saying? So they're coming out and they're doing their real formal thing. And I get up there and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe it. It's the show, baby. And it's all those things that I had learned from before. So I'm, right. I'm bringing the energy up in the room. So after the thing is over, I'm the one with the crowd around me. <laughs> yeah. And, and everyone came through with support. Like the president of the college said, anything that you need, um, we're, we're here for you. The JCC started volunteering. I, I want to be a part of it. And this thing, this thing started taking on a lot. That's of that energy own. thing that's helping you out yeah. too, because I believe that fact that you learn all of that energy from the previous experiences is what's calling coming in for you now. No doubt, no doubt. And I didn't even realize realize how ready I was for it. And there were some challenges because you know I went from you know having my nice little place. I was working. I was doing my little classes. And I had ten, twelve people come in. Sometimes fifteen, twenty people come in. Oh, this is great. Okay, my little studio later on. I'm like, oh, this is going to be phenomenal. And all of a sudden, I got a class of five hundred people, and I'm like, <laughs> what? But what do you do? It's, it's not the same. <laughs> That's what I was asking you. Like, how much did you freak out, or did you be like, oh, okay, I think we can do this? Yeah. It, it, well, it was. I I watched. I watched because the first year I, I, I hired a bunch of people to, you know, to, to kind of do the classes and I kind of hid. I mean, Fredo was the man who was up front. So when we did TV things, you know, everybody wanted to talk to him. So I kind of like rolled the coattails because and Fredo's got a very dynamic personality. So, you know, when he and I were on, we did local access, it was like, you know, people forgot completely about the host and the other guests. It was like, you know, he and I, that were kind of running the show. But I watched, I watched how people responded. And then I watched how people responded to other classes. Like we have a, um, a Zumba instructor. She's no, unfortunately, she's no longer a Zumba instructor. Actually, she's doing really well in real estate now. But she was just a phenomenal Zumba instructor. And I remember I'd never seen, I'd heard all about it. I'd never seen Zumba before. And this woman got on stage and she tore the freaking house down. I was like, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Uh, and, And so I learned how to incorporate what I did as a trainer and make it more entertaining and, and crowd enthusiastic and, and, you know, and, 
and learn how to, you know, to do these big classes and to say, to take that energy, which I could generate as a speaker, but I couldn't generate it as an instructor because mm. it was different. But, you know, what it's really turned into is that annually people look for it. They look for it. And we've had just ridiculous physical transformations, life transformations. Um, we just had, um, <laughs> I went to a wedding. <laughs> I was in a wedding just this past uh, summer with two people, one woman who was a volunteer, wonderful friend, and she was a volunteer and a client. And the other guy, he was an independent one-on-one uh, -on -one client. He would come to the training classes, and uh, I, I introduced them to each other just in passing. Hey, you know, Melissa, this is Vinny, and they just got married this past year. So we've had... So it's like family. You make it so that the energy is like family. Oh, that's what we call it, the Slim Down Family. And 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 it's been really impactful in my business and um, with with people who've come in and uh, said I want to be a part of this energy, you know, on a regular basis. And so it's been one of the most wonderful things that I've I've done for myself and my family. And like for instance, the Zumba instructor, she um, they live right up the street from us. So you know, I've been to her her son's. You know, I've watched her son grow up. Her son was babysitting my son, <laughs> and you know, we we I was just at their house for to watch the fight. So we've established these wonderful, wonderful relationships as a result. And it's like I said, it's just a complete. Do you ever find that you've made a mistake by by turning a client into a friend? Do you feel like that you've ever made that mistake that you wished you probably should have stayed client? And, you know, client and trainer relationship rather than turning it into a friendship. You know what? I tell you something. Um, in the past, yes. In the past, yes. I have, well, I've, re I've retrieved some messages while I'm here too. And I have a client who's been, uh, she's been a client for the, for the greater part of 20 something years. And uh, we just spent Thanksgiving with them. Here's the wonderful thing. When everybody does what they're supposed to do, the client trainer relationship is beautiful. <laughs> it's 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 beautiful. If you show up on time, I show up on time. You know what? You bill me, I pay you. It's a wonderful thing. It's when people start to try to take advantage of the relationship where things get difficult. Murky. Yeah. yeah. And and I know that, you know, we've been instructed to like not have people become friends and um, right. not let clients become friends. And that to me is, is always going to be based upon going back to energy is, is the energy that we have that I have with the client. And, and if there's some people that you just become connected to, and I'm not going to say, okay, well, you know, we're only doing business and this really intimate type of business, you know, I'm sure you've heard, you know, you know, in some cases, that the divorce is happening before the spouse does. <laughs> no, yeah, and that's what, and that's, you know, and I've just recently had a bad experience with uh, a recent client mm. who I felt like I was bending over backwards for, and then out of the blue, and this has been like last week, out of the blue, I get this message. Um, it's just really vicious to me. Mm. And it, it it was it was about a monetary concern, and I get and I got that part of it. And my thing was like, well, just tell me how to make it right. But she kind of went off on the personal end of it, and you know, just saying all these things are like, oh my god, I would never want to see a person that felt that way about me, 
or you know if you felt that way all up this up until this point that is really huge like that is my currency well, my currency is that you are entrusting yourself with me like that is my currency i don't care about you know how much you feel i owe you or how much you feel i've slighted you and you know with owing you money and that kind of thing or charging too much or overcharging or whatever too many sessions i was just told i it was like a knife cutting me and it took me a minute to to gather myself and be like okay well i have to move on from this this is very hurtful mm-hmm. but this is not going to destroy me or as the person was before maybe a year before probably would have destroyed me but i was like you know what this is not me like this is not my issue <laughs> because <laughs> i know what i've done and i know i'm not doing anything vehemently mm-hmm. Or just to be mean or spiteful. I know that's not who I am. So I have to take pride in that and then just move forward in that way. And that calms me down right away. But, you know, you just never, um, you just never know. And people go through things in their own life. And I understand that too. Or they're just, you know, they're just having a bad time at that point. And maybe there wasn't, you know, this, whatever circumstances, there's, I try to just think of it that way because I don't think anyone would be intentionally that hurtful. Um, and maybe they just don't give a shit. You know, they're just like, well, whatever. I'm just going to say exactly what I think regardless of who it hurts, which I appreciate that too. But at the same time, it's like, you know, maybe I walked over the client relationship for too long or for stepped over the line too far. And then I expected more than what I was actually getting and wasn't really realizing it because I'm a giver. And that's just who I am. Well, let me ask you this. This was a relatively new client? No, this was someone I had been training for years, oh, like three years. I think it had been three oh, years. three years. And they, they didn't show signs of that at all before? I showed signs of not really wanting to train anyone anymore, not just her in particular, but just like one-on-one training. You didn't want to do it? That was my sign. Oh, okay, that, that was, okay, so that was, and that person felt that? Is that what it was? I'd possibly, I don't know, but she was just trying to accuse me of something that I was not doing. And so it was just, you know, all of her feelings, I guess, came out in it. And I was like, man, this is so mean. (laughs) I was not ever, I mean, did you even know me all this time? You know, that's where I went. Well, you know, it's, it's very interesting because one, one of the other things that I have is, listen, there's certain people, even family members that are in my life that I, I I've chosen not to have any relationships with any longer. Cause once again, I want to live my life with in, in, in clarity, clarity and candor. And I am very, very mindful using that word again of the energy that is around me, because I understand that, you know, stank is contagious. <laughs> stank is contagious. Yes, it is. So, so as a result, I don't care if you're my if you're my identical twin, if if that energy is not consistent with where I I need to be, I have to go. Yeah, you have to fold. Yes, you and 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 when someone does something mean and accusatory, uh, which is what happened in in my case, I I have to ask the question: Is this the indicator? that we need no longer to continue in this relationship. 
Right. That's the first place I went with my situation. I was like, I just want nothing to do with this. Like, tell me what's going to make your ego correct or help feel better about yourself. But for me, I need to get out of this. And you said it. You said it just the other day, just 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 a second ago, that money is not the only currency. So in some cases, if it becomes monetary, let me see if we can put a number to this so that I can I can place that in in into position to see if this is going to be what needs to happen to get you away. Right. That's exactly where I went yeah. with it. And it's not about not owning my own power. It was just about get this away from me. <laughs> like that's how I felt like I just want out of this whole situation. Exactly. And for me, it would be almost like pretending that it never happened because it's just so, it was so far removed. I was so floored. And it was totally out of the blue for me where I looked at the message like, what the? And yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a much greater indicator of where that person was rather than you. Because again, you can see me from any different direction, but you know, a lot of it just has to do with your perspective. And I think in most cases, people are projecting um, their own mirror. Yeah. So it's all good. If you like that movie, um, what was it called again? Um, Bronx Tale, where he's chasing the kid because the kid owes him $20. And he says, <laughs> well, how much did he owe you? You owe me $20. So he goes, you got rid of him for $20? He's got off cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of, but that's also me and my own issues with money. And because that's how I flipped it. Like, and I mean, she can certainly have her own issues, but for me, I have my own issues surrounding money. And so that's where I would love to get better with myself. So it really turned less so much about her than it was about me and fixing my own problems, because that is how I'm always, you know, looking at myself, like, how can I make myself better? What can I learn from this? Because that's the first place I went in my head. What can I learn from this? How can I make this better for her so she, she feels okay about yeah. it? And then how can I move on in a way that's going to serve me and teach me something in this whole, like, how can this never happen to me again? Right. How What can I learn from this? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of yeah. where I went in my head with the whole thing. Exactly. So we're going to shift exactly. some energy here with this whole interview. And I'm going to ask you some questions and you're going to give me the answer off the top of your head. And of course, it's how it's written in your heart, as only Tony Books of Elias can do. <laughs> I'm good. I'm in. So, all right. So I want to know, what are some questions you really wish someone would ask you and they never knew? Someone could ask me what I, and more, more than one question? Um. Yeah. Let's just start with one question and we'll see where it goes okay. from there. Um, what are your shadow beliefs? Well, you have to describe what a shadow belief is. Okay. The shadow beliefs are the things that you can believe about yourself and are the world that you know holds you back and that you can recognize that they hold you back, but you would be really, really reserved to have to bring that fact into fruition. So in other words... What is it you believe about yourself or the world that consciously you may want to say is not true, but you know somewhere in the deep recesses of your mind it is? Yeah, but do other people see it in you and do they know it's true? Or it's just something that they get a sense of when they when they see you? Don't know. 
Those are really good questions. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> okay, is there another question you wish someone would ask you, or do you want to answer the first one that you put to yourself? Um, uh, the, well, the question, another question would, would be, how do you manage living your life with such sincerity? Okay, let's answer that one for you. Oh, you want me to answer it? Yeah, cool. absolutely. I didn't know I had to answer it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, Makes all I, the I, difference. I think I'd, ra- I'd rather answer that one anyway. Because <laughs> I can't tell you if I would answer <laughs> I the other one. Um, <laughs> um, how do you live your life to such sincerity? It is conscious choice. It is conscious choice. I, I coach my son's basketball team. This year so far, we are 0-5. <laughs> and we lost the game last, not this past weekend, the weekend before last, forty-three to one. That oh yeah, God. that is a, that is a butt whipping, uh, deserving <laughs> only of someone who stole something. <laughs> and I, I and I and I had to ask myself, okay, I got these kids who are are not players, and maybe they're not athletes, and I, I got back to. Uh, something that I remember hearing Les Brown say. He said there are three types of people. There are winners, there are losers, and there are winners who haven't figured out how to win yet. Mm. And I had to say to myself, okay, here's the- That means everybody's a winner, essentially, in their own in, right. Yeah, but both through choice. There's some people, I, I wouldn't would have said this 20 years ago, but there's some people who are losers. <laughs> or can be, I say, or you can't, yeah. can be a winner. Now. Yeah, exactly. you could be. <laughs> You know, it, it, there's some people who are just, you know, anyway, <laughs> we want to talk about I know, that. I know, I know what you're saying. I get it, I get it. But, you know, I said, if you do not continue to bring the same energy that you brought to when things were going well a season ago, two seasons ago, and because you're losing, you bring your head down, basically, you're acquiescing to where they are rather than standing up for what they could be. So I need you to repeat that. Okay. I said if they're acquiescing. Okay, if if I do not keep my energy up because we're losing, then I'm acquiescing. Oh, I see what right, you're saying. To I'm 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 bring, I'm dumbing myself down to where they are rather than standing up for what they could be. Right. And so I had to switch my attitude a little bit because I was knew I was super duper duper demanding. And I realized I have to be super demanding, but in a way that they could receive it while right. still keeping the commitment to winning and not just winning, but doing the things to win and maintaining or insisting on them having a winning effort and winning attitude. So, so mm. the moment that someone says, oh, well, we're playing. Oh, yeah, that team's going to kill us. I'm like, uh-uh. I don't want to hear that out of your mouth at all. Five laps. We're going to run yeah. that out of you. Because it all starts on the talking and how you talk to yourself. Exactly. Because what effort is going to be, is going to come to the surface when you know no matter what you do or when you feel no matter what you do that you're going to lose. You indulge in losing behavior mm. and losing effort. And the object, and not only that, but everybody else is going to be doing the same thing too. Especially if 
if that you know if that energy is caught on with the rest of the teammates. Yes. So I'm more demanding in terms of reshifting. Maybe our win is not going to be the score all the time, but maybe our win is that. Well, I've surmised it down to three words, and it's and it's it's effort, focus, and confidence. That's it. Effort, focus, and confidence. So I ask you, I asked all the time, are you giving your best effort? Are you completely focused? Because if you're not giving your best effort and you're not completely focused, you're not going to be confident. Right. You have to replicate those things. So when we drill and we drill and drill and drill and drill, it's for the purpose of replicating it in the game. So So you're not you have them focused on not necessarily winning but what they're getting out of the experience regardless of how it turns out it's task at hand it's task at hand it's not i want to be the greatest bodybuilder of all time it's i need to bench press 200 pounds 10 times right now that's it (laughs) this is what we focus on right here right focus on right now so in basketball it's practice making a good pass and receiver, practice on catching the ball. Right. That's it. When we do a passing drill, you got to pass it well. You got to catch it well. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. I got a kid who believes he's <laughs> he believes he's going to be a pro player. He says he doesn't want to go to school anymore because he's going to be a pro player and he can't catch the basketball. <laughs> Break it down. Exactly. Let's start with one thing at a time. Exactly. My man, you are way ahead of yourself right now. <laughs> I commend you <laughs> on the high level of thinking, but let's break it down right here, right now. What can we focus on right now? Exactly. And I, and I understand that, you know, again, the sincerity is this. At some point, these kids are 11, right? My youngest, my youngest one on the team turned 11 today or yesterday. How long are these kids going to play basketball for competitively at the highest level? Many of them, once they finish grade school, they're not going to play anymore. Not not competitively, right? right. Yeah. So here's the key that I've had these kids from six. I'm going to have them from six to 13, 14. So some of them were five when I got them, some of them were six. So I'm going to have them from, let's say, maximum five to 14, right? They're going to be looking back on this and somewhere along the line, I know the wins and the losses are not going to be the biggest thing going right. to be the lesson that they learned and they're going to be 35 years old and they're going to have kids and they're going to say i remember when coach tony said focus effort and be confident and they're going to be telling you know robert jr and benny jr and antonio jr here's what you do kid you got to focus best effort and then you'll be confident <laughs> <laughs> that voice in your head <laughs> That's really good coaching. And that's and that's what it's going to be. And saying if you can do that, that's all you need. It's one step at a time. When you're writing the story, you focus on writing the story. When you're right. when you're when you're reading the textbook, you're focused on reading the textbook. When you're out with your girlfriend, be focused on your girlfriend. Don't be focused on <laughs> just being in the now or in the moment. And I don't think we have enough of that. Or just in conversations with people. I'm learning, you know, myself to listen a lot more than I am speaking. And you can get so much more out of a conversation. And that person will feel like they've had the best conversation all because you wanted to just focus on what they were saying and you wanted to receive it. 
And I think so many times, as as old as I am, it's, I wasn't communicating in that way. Like I was just waiting to be heard right. and not really listening and taking in what that person was saying to me. And I want, you know, I said to myself, you know, 2019, especially with my podcast, because this is something I love to do. I love talking to people and receive, like receiving what it is that they're telling me. And I just think it's so important to focus on the different end of the communication spectrum. You know, like as someone, there's a saying that that is, uh, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Mm. (laughs) So you should listen twice as much as you're actually talking. All right, let me move on to the next question here. Would you be willing to share something about about Tony Books of Elis, about what you and your journey, about who you are today that you've never shared before? About who I am today. About your journey, like about your journey to where you are now, about who you are today, because one sort of lends into the other that you've never really shared before. About who I am today and, okay, repeat that again. So who I am today. So would you be willing to share something about yourself, uh-huh. about your journey, mm-hmm. and about who you are today that you've never shared before? Yeah, I could do that. That who I am today is the result of very deliberate study, reflection, and action. Which would you say is the most important? Hmm. Out of the out of study, reflection, reflection and action? action, study. Reflection, action, study. Which one of those do you feel is the most important out of those action. three? Um, yeah. I, I think that the action will make – it makes things real. It makes things real. I mean, it's one thing to say like – like my theme going forward has been, you know, candor and clarity. Candor and sometimes I have to swallow really hard when I say certain things to people. But I realize that I, I it's one thing – to have a go-to which says, I love myself. This is my my saying. I love myself a lot more when I'm candid and, and, and clear. And it's one thing to say it. And it's another thing to do it, especially when it's difficult. <laughs> so true. But that gives you the learning experience, yes. too. That's what I'm finding out. Like, that's what that's what helps you grow. Is if you're able to respond and still be honest and candid, but not respond out of your emotions. And then be reflective, because I'll I'll give you an example where being candid and clear may not always be the best. My wife wanted to go to this uh, event. It was um, a really, really nice Christmas event over here. It's Snug Harvest Museum. It's a garden. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, One of Staten Island's jewels. And she goes, there's a Zen garden. They do this really beautiful light show, and it's going to be on this particular day. And so... I'm like, okay, I'll go. So <laughs> I'm getting dressed, and I go to her, you know what, Mama, I really, I'm going, but I really don't want to go. I'm only going because you want to go. And she looks at me, and she says, can't you just, like, leave that alone and just leave me in my joy? And I said, yeah. and I said you know what, I was candid. And I was clear, but I wasn't entirely loving. Right. And that's where the reflection comes into play. Because I said to myself, you know what? 
I really didn't want to go, and that was true, and I was only going because of her. But the loving thing would be to say, you know what? I'm so happy that I can share this with you. And that would have been candid and clear. Yeah. And it would have been enough. So it's about the things that you don't say that sort of helps the situation along. I think we all have those moments, though. Forgive the fire alarm here. I thought they were coming to get you. (laughs) (laughs) That can still be true. (laughs) No, we live right around the corner from actually two um, two fire stations. So there's always there's always that noise mm-hmm. up and down our street. Okay. So I like how you answered that question for sure. Not that that matters, <laughs> but let me ask you one more question. What part of your journey is commonly misunderstood? What kind of part of my journey, life's journey, my business journey? Um, I want to say business journey because we're talking about you as a personal trainer. You know, it's, it's really funny. And I, I think that I get a different perspective because two, three times a year, I teach a six, a six week course that, uh, you know, for certifying trainers. And I think that many people will look at um, the training business and say, I want to make money working out. I love, I love fitness. And so I, um, I want, I want to get paid to do it. And what they don't realize is that the more, adept you become, the more successful you become, the less opportunity you have to train the way <laughs> you want to. You know, yeah. you, you yeah. may be spending more time in the facility, but, you know, it becomes less and less about you and more and more about the people that you serve. It is serving. And I think that that's what people need to understand about personal training, that you are serving that person. Like, that's how Unless you have that in your mind, it's not about the way you look or how big your muscles are, but how much you can help that person along in their journey. Exactly. So it just be, and that and that's the only way that you can, I believe, serve properly, serve your people properly, is that you just forget about yourself. No doubt. You know, as, as selfless as that sounds, but you have to be able to really learn to serve that person and get their needs met because that's why they're paying you. That's why they're coming to right. you. Right, exactly. So and I would say two things. Maybe let's say three things. It's number one, understanding that it's, it is service and there, and there's that joy in serving. And, and I, and I, and I really work, I can't say try, but I, I, I'm always, always aware of the service aspect of it and not knowing sometimes what that person had to overcome to make that initial call. And mm. what aspect of their life they're looking to resolve and using fitness as a medium to do that. Because very often we say, you know, the person comes in because they want to do two things, lose weight and get in shape. And we know that if we look into that's their heart of hearts, exactly, it's not, right. it's, they believe that's going to be the medium to self-satisfaction, potential possibility, and that they've gone through a labyrinth of different options before they've gotten to you and that needs to be honored so and that gives you the opportunity to be able to serve them because you do know so much about being able to help them regardless of you know where they're where where they're coming mm-hmm. from in their life and their position because you at least that brings them to your doorstep the fact that they are wanting to get fit or get healthy or whatever it is the common phrases that we always mm-hmm. hear but we know that's only the surface. 
And, and right. so I want to know about that person and I, and I want to be a resource to them. I want them to feel like when they step into the body house, that they are there to be completely rejuvenated. And when they walk out that they're they're they've received much more than what they've invested in. So that'd be the first one is understanding the, the service and what the service is really serving. The other thing would be about reliability. And reliability in this business is a really, really big challenge because there's some people who get into it for the wrong reason. And it's really easy to, to be burnt out. And so, you know, it's 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 understanding that when the person is coming to you, reliability is not just showing up. Reliability is also showing up with at your with the best that you can bring. Being yes, present. Exactly. Exactly. Being present. So the reliability um, aspect and the other one is tenacity because, mm. I mean, you know, you've been in the business longer than me. And how many times have you had to like, you know, jump on a buoy or ride a surfboard and ride a massive wave just to stay in the business? <laughs> and you say to yourself like. But I also think that that's misguided too. You know what I mean? It's like, why, why, do, I, why do I have to do this crap? To stay in this business. Like I'm not, I'm certainly not one of the latest thing, latest having to be up on the latest. Cause I think, you know, it just boils down to a couple of movements and all you're doing is adding variations, maybe a dumbbell or a kettlebell. It just, it just depends yeah. on, you know, how that person is going to be best trained. Right. And I think that if you're jumping on every single wave or you're trying to scream at people, then that's, you know, the always the, what is it? The gold, mm-hmm. All that glitters is right. gold. And so, and I think people are smarter than that. And I have to believe that people are smarter than that. But sometimes, you know, it just kind of gets annoying. Well, I think the people who want to work with you or I are smarter than that. Um, and I remember saying, you know, um, uh, talking about uh, a TV show trainer and everyone was talking about how great this trainer was. I'm like, this trainer is horrible. In my opinion. <laughs> and uh, but how, how can you say that? I'm like, very easy. You hear me saying it because how... Would you feel if you walked into my studio and immediately I started having you doing some outrageous exercise that's way beyond your capacity and I was yelling at you as you were throwing up? Right. That's what makes them what makes you think that that's a good trainer? That's what I'm like, what? It's because those are the things that they have at their fingertips and those are the things that are most. Yeah, and it's look and it's easy to do that. I mean, like, like, you know, uh, I know some people would. They were they were trying to compliment me by saying, you know, Tony's a hard trainer. He's a he's a hard. And I'm like, and I had to say, you know what? Again, candid and and, uh, and clear. I said, you're not complimenting me by saying that. I said, right. hard is easy. Hard yeah. is easy. What? I don't make workouts hard just because. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to be the impossible no. trainer. Like, I'm trying to help people. That, I could crush you in eight minutes if I wanted to. Right. <laughs> but would that help you? I said, it's, it's, it's like, because it's, it's not like you're, okay, you're making a cake, right? Let's say you're making a cake and you're like, okay, um, let me see. Let's get a cup of flour. Let's get eight cups of sugar. Let's get 56 tablespoons of baking. No, because it's a recipe. It's not just volume and it's not just, uh, you know, it's, it's, and it's not just putting the right ingredients. It's putting the right amount of ingredients at the right time. Is this the wrong focus, I think, for most trainers? Making hard, making shit hard just for the sake of making it difficult. Like, that's not hard no, to do. No, that's not hard to do at all. 
I remember this one woman said, it was a great, I went to his kickboxing class. It was great. I'm so sore. We did jumping jacks for 20 minutes. And I want to, and I want to say, cause you know what? And I know I have the uh, stench of exercise snob on me. I know it. I know it, but I try not to judge. I hate to use the word. I get I that. I, and you don't want, cause they, that person, you don't know where the spectrum is that they're learning. That trainer is learning. Exactly. Cause they, cause we started off doing, well, not a bunch of stupid stuff, but you start off doing things and you start to realize that this is probably not a good avenue to go down. Right. And so you sort of retract and you retreat and then you educate yourself more so that you know better. So, I mean, and I don't like to talk bad about other trainers either because they, you don't know where they're learning, where they're learning in that spectrum. Like, where are they in that spectrum? And they may really mean well, but maybe they're just miseducated. Yeah. And, and look, and look, everybody has to start somewhere. Everyone has to, has to start somewhere. But the frustrating part of the true professional, of the true veteran and the person who's really ridden a wave through different things is being able to distinguish yourself from that person. And when the younger person shows up and their body is beautiful and it's fit, I'm like, God bless you. Um, and, and, <laughs> and exactly. Because listen, I hate you right now because I used to be you. And what I realized when I was you, I wasn't that great of a, of a trainer. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the test, the true test comes, I believe, is when you start to reach 40 or because everybody ages, like everyone ages is like how that's going to become the true testimony because then you have to start to, your focus becomes a little bit different. I mean, you still certainly want to look sure. good, but your focus just becomes entirely different because my focus now is like, how can I take care of myself the best that I can, can so my kids don't have to, like, I don't ever want my kids to have to, you know wheel me around in a wheelchair <laughs> like i don't want any of that stuff till the day i die like i want to be able to be as independent as possible but be around for them as long as i possibly I can so i mean your goals and your reasons for being around become entirely different so your focus becomes totally exactly different. i i had two women recently who wanted to uh wanted me to train them for bodybuilding and i'm like uh one i said eh. And then I had another one nah. who she wanted to switch from me from um to me from another trainer, and I said, you know what? If I were you, I would I would stay with this other guy. Yeah. And See, and that's honest, and I think that's that's just who we are. Like, I don't want man. If I don't want you training a day longer with me than you want to, and I have no qualms about talking to another trainer to send you off to them. If that's where you feel you would be most comfortable, you get the most out of your training sessions with them. Like I, I sincerely, and that took a lot of maturity for me too. Like I sincerely do not have a problem with that. Like I'd much rather you come to me and say, Hey, I'd love to train with this other person. Do you know them? Can you, do you recommend them? Whatever. And then I could sort of save you some heartache or just totally refer you and talk to that trainer. But you know, my thing is like, you have to be comfortable. I just think you get so much more out of a person if they're truly happy with who they're training no with. Well, one of the things that happened too, you know, to, to be frank is that, and I, and I told the potential client this too, uh, about, I'm going to say about 18 years ago, the trainer did me a favor. The, the gym that I, just before I had my studios, the trainer had a had a, a gym and the gym that I was training out of was out of commission for they had some um, flooding problems and they were going to be closed for three months so I came to him and I said listen 
I'm training clients. I want to bring some clients here to train. Um, I have a few people and, um, um, you know, let me know what we can do. And I really appreciate it. I said, you know, my clients would come and they would join and, and I'll bring them here. And, you know, as long as you're okay with it, because I said, I wouldn't bring anyone here to sneak. He goes, he said, no problem. Bring your clients here to train. They pay for the month. If they keep coming, they train, they train, you know, give me your insurance papers. I'd, I'd, I'd love to have you. And I said, if it's only going to be for a few months till the gym opens, he goes, it doesn't matter. So when the time came to return that favor, I, I, I couldn't rightly even entertain the possibility of taking a client away from the guy. Yeah. Good for you. Your heart's in the right place. I Always. Think, again, that's, that's, that's living with sincerity. I'm, I'm no, perf- no perfect person by any stretch of imagination. <laughs> my wife, my <laughs> wife will tell you that over and over again. Compared to today's standards, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> really good people, man, yeah. I tell you. And really good people stick out to me as like a sword yeah, bomb. I, I mean, that's what that's the beauty of this podcast, because I there's so many people that I've been wanting to sit down and have these, you know, amazing conversations with. And I didn't realize that I had the power to do that all along on my own. Like I was waiting for, you know, some medium or somebody to ask me, I'm like, what am I doing? No, no need anything. <laughs> you, I, I tell you something, you're one of those people when I first, you know, um, uh, met you or heard about you from, uh, from Phil. And I even looked at your, your bodybuilding pictures. I'm like, this chick is fierce. <laughs> this chick needs to I'm learn. Like, this chick needs to learn that because that's how that's where I am right now in my life. And you know, and it's not. Um, I just have so much to give. And it was, and it was Phil who was starting to bring it out of me because he would just say the same thing to me over and over again. And it wasn't to the point until I felt I believed it, and I think he knew that because you know how brilliant he is. So I just was like, you know, oh, how do we? How do I bring it out of myself, but not be, because one of my things, one of my biggest things is like, I don't want to be an arrogant person. I, I'm not a clicky person. I don't want to not talk to people or rule out other people. Like I'm not just clicky. Like I don't want to dis, what do you call that? Not include. I'm, I want to be inclusive, but that's almost impossible for a business. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So that's the part that I'm into right now. And I'm damn near 50. Like I, and it took me that long to figure it out. And now I'm just riding my last year into turning 50 Mm. that I was, you know, my thing is going to be perseverance. Like I don't want to give up on anything because I always think that I give up Mm. too soon. So that's going to be my word for 2019 Mm. is perseverance. Mm. But I love you, Tony, man. Thank you so much for doing this for me. I so appreciate you. you. I'm so excited. Hey there, this is Velma Garns, and you have been listening to The Inspired Life with The Velminator. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you. Please check out the Keep Going Project. It's a coaching program where I help you push past your quitting habits to achieve your big goals. As a personal trainer for over 32 years, a group fitness instructor for a combined 36 years and counting, and as an exercise physiologist, I have helped thousands achieve their goals permanently. If you're interested, please go to www.velminator.com. That is spelled V-E-L-M-A-N-A-T-O-R.com and look for the Keep Going Project. I'll talk to you again real soon.